Well, I want to be honest with you today because I feel like this word that I'm getting ready to share with you is probably the most significant assignment I believe I've ever experienced from the Lord. Um, this, is, this is something for me personally that I believe that the Lord is setting us up as the bride of Christ to move into a season of revival. Obviously, we see what's going on in Asbury and all these universities, and the Lord is moving in significant ways all over Northeast Ohio. And I believe that what we're going to talk about today is, is, is going to continue to usher in this desire to see the Lord, continue to manifest the presence of the Lord. And so um, I know, man, we're, we're going to get actually back into worship because it was so powerful. But if you would give me a few minutes and just lean into, into this word today, I truly believe that this word will, will completely change your life. But today what I want to talk to you about is the fear of the Lord. Can we say that together? The fear of the Lord. It's the title of my message. And I want to read this scripture verse in Isaiah chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can go there. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah prophesies and says this, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. If you didn't catch who this is talking about already, this is prophesying over Jesus. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Here's the idea for today's message. The fear of the Lord is returning to the bride of Christ. The fear of the Lord is returning to the bride of Christ. So Holy Spirit, as we spend moments just receiving from your word, would you impart to us the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that we can honor and revere your name as holy, as precious, as mighty God. Let the spirit of the fear of the Lord return to your church and your bride. We love you, Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room that when we leave this place, we'll leave differently and changed because of who you are. In your mighty name I pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. amen. There's three things I want to talk to you about today briefly revol revolving around the spirit of the Lord. The first thing is obedience. What I've learned about the fear of the Lord is that if you possess the fear of the Lord, you're quick to obey. And when you're quick to obey, God is able to move in the earth, not just through your life, but from, in those around you. Second thing I want to talk about today is worship. When you possess the fear of the Lord in your worship, what we understand is that the worship becomes not about us anymore, but it becomes about the Holy One of Israel. And when you possess the fear of the Lord, you worship differently. And the final thing I want to talk to you about today is the power of God. I believe that the power of God is released to those who fear Him. I believe that the church has been absent of the power of God because we have been absent of the fear of the Lord. And I believe that as the, as the Lord returns the fear of the Lord to the church, we're going to see God move in signs and wonders and miracles in ways we haven't seen before. So I want to talk to us about this story in Genesis chapter 22. It's a very controversial story. It's one of those stories in the Bible that we try to explain oftentimes because it makes us uncomfortable. But it says this in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 3. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. 
Bible says this in, in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. All my parents in this room, could you try to position yourself in Abraham's shoes? If the Lord came and spoke that word to me, I don't know what I would do. And I had a conversation not too long ago that said this, would you be able to obey in that moment? And to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would. But here's the reality. Abraham possessed the fear of the Lord. And as difficult as this word is, and as much as we try to explain it and justify God, here's, here's what we have to understand as, as a church. God does not need to be justified in order to be obeyed. We try to explain and reason and understand and say, God, I'll obey as long as you give me the revelation as to why I need to obey you. I need you to explain yourself before I can move in obedience. And listen, there's a lot of theology around this request. We can go into it and we can explain how, how God was requesting Abraham to give his only son so that God can give his only son and sacrifice him on the same exact mountain in Moriah that Abraham hiked up Isaac. There's theology around this. But here's the reality. Abraham didn't know any of that. He didn't understand what Jesus would do. He didn't understand the plans of God. He said, God, you don't need to explain yourself. I will obey you. And the fear of the Lord rose up inside of him. And the Bible says that early in the morning, early in the morning, Abraham woke up at the crack of dawn and said, I'm moving in obedience. And how often as a church do we delay do we wait for an explanation? Do we wait for God to prove himself? God, if this is you, you need to give me eight different signs and send this person and do this. And God's just saying, why does the king of the universe have to explain himself to his people? I had a conversation with my daughter not too long ago, and I said, Riley, I need you to listen to me when I say something. I love you and I'll explain why I need you to listen to me, but there are going to be times where I need to trust that I will speak and you will listen because sometimes, Riley, it is the difference between life and death and I don't have time to give you an explanation. I need to rely on your obedience. And church, we have to have the fear of the Lord returned to where when he speaks, we don't need anything. When the words come out of his mouth, we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to follow your word. I'm going to move in obedience. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to justify yourself. You are the king of glory and I am not. That is enough. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Later on in verses 11, it says this, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven as Abraham had the knife over Isaac, he called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said to him, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Now, Abraham, I know that the spirit of the fear of the Lord is inside of you. And since you have not withheld your son, listen, this is beautiful because God explains. He gives the explanation, but after obedience comes. 
And the moment Abraham fulfilled his obedience, God said, now let me explain to you why I needed you to do that. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Wait, go back. For now I know that you fear the Lord, since you have not withheld your, own, your son, your only son, from me. I'm missing some scriptures in there, but then God goes on to say, listen, now I'm going to bless you. Now I can send my only son. And in verse 22, it says this. Says this, and, and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And watch this, in your seed all the nations of the world shall be blessed. Why are the nations of the world blessed? Because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed. And church, listen, listen to me. Obedience is a gift that brings blessings to you and everyone around you. Obedience is a gift to you. I know it's hard to obey God sometimes because God requires that we get out of our comfort zone. He requires us to sacrifice dreams and visions. And a lot of times as the church, we think this, that God wouldn't ask us to do that because he wants me to be happy. Can I shatter a lie for you today? God does not care about your happiness as much as you think he does. And here's the truth. You don't even believe that. You don't even believe that because if you did, your children would be eating Skittles and Mountain Dew for dinner every single night. But you understand this reality that I'm going to make my kids eat broccoli even when they don't want to because I know in 15 years they're going to be thankful when they got all their teeth in their mouth. You don't even believe that God desires your happiness. Why? Because happiness doesn't always translate to purpose. It doesn't always translate to blessing. What makes you feel comfortable isn't always good for you. And what God wants to do in your life is not to set you up and make you happy and comfortable. He wants you to obey his word so that when he speaks, he can bless you and bless those around you. A gift, the obedience is a gift from the Lord. Watch this in Psalms chapter 112, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Blessed is the man who delights in obeying the word of the Lord. Man, I prayed this prayer not too long ago. I said, God, I, the Lord was showing me this, and I said, God, I just want to be obedient to you. Will you tell me something? It could be anything, God. I said, God, tell me the craziest thing that's on your heart, and I'm going to obey right now. I'm going to do it. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said this, I've spoken a lot from Genesis to Revelation. Start there. Start there. Because the truth is, many of us want to hear this incredible word from the Lord, but we can't even obey the words that he's already spoken. We can't even forgive those who have persecuted us. We can, we're holding grudges and gossiping. That we can't even move on from that bitterness. That, that we can't pray for those who persecute us. We can't forgive people. We can't follow the word that's in our laps right now. So start there. Open your Bible and, and, and attack the word of God with obedience. And say, man, God, I want to I obey your word. I want to obey your voice. I want to obey your commandments. It says, blessed is he who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Here's what it says a little bit further down in verse 7. It says, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. Everyone say steadfast. Amen. Trusting in the Lord. Here's what you have to understand about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord casts out 
all lesser fears. When you possess the fear of the Lord, it removes from yourself all other fears. The fear of man is gone. The fear of security is gone. Everything that you carry and you fear, when you possess the fear of the Lord, there is no other fear on earth that can possess your heart. Let me show you exactly how this works. In Acts chapter 5, the Bible says that Peter and the apostles were preaching the gospel of Jesus in the synagogues. And the, and the, the priests, the, um, the, the, the Pharisees, pulled them into the, in a room and said, hey, stop preaching Jesus. What did Peter say to them? Two times. He said, is it right for us to obey you or obey God? You decide. And he continued to preach the word. Why? Because when you possess the fear of the Lord, there is no, like man can't make you afraid. You move in obedience. It doesn't matter what what you look like, how insecure you are. Oh man, God, I don't know what they're going to think of me if I obey you. No, when you have the fear of the Lord, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. Jesus said it this way. Don't be afraid of people who can kill the flesh. Be afraid of the one who can not only kill the flesh, but the soul as well. And I'm telling you something today, church, as we embrace the fear of the Lord, all lesser fears will be cast out. It's the power of the fear of the Lord. When you fear God, you don't fear man. When you fear God, you don't fear the enemy. We obey his voice. I believe that obedience, obedience is returning to the church. The fear of the Lord through obedience is returning. I want to share with you this other story in 2 Samuel. It's a story in 2 Samuel 6 about David. And David was re- trying to return the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And we know this story because oftentimes we quote it, we talk about it during worship. And this is the story where David says that I will be even more undignified than this. Remember that? And we look to David's extravagant worship and praise and we say, man, I want to worship and I want to praise Jesus like that. But as I was studying this this story this week, I realized something, that David wasn't driven by passion. He wasn't driven by love. He wasn't driven by joy. He wasn't driven by just this extravagant love for Jesus. He was driven to worship that way by the fear of the Lord. He was driven to worship extravagantly by the fear of the Lord. Watch this. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says this, that when they came, and let me give you a little back, back story here. So Abinadab was sending the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And what they did is they disobeyed the Lord and they put the Ark on a cart. The Bible specifically tells us, Moses gave us instruction, gave the children of Israel instruction, when you move the ark, you carry it. The priests carry the ark. They didn't listen. They put it on a cart. And the Bible says this, that then when they came to Nishan's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the ox stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. Your Bible says error, but that word error means this, irreverence. He struck him because of his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. In verse 9, it says this, that David was afraid of the Lord that day. He was afraid of God. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom in Gittite. And then in verse 13, it says this, 
David wises up a few months later, he realizes that Obed-Edom's house is being blessed. And he goes back and he returns for the ark of the Lord. And watch what it says here in verse 13. And so it was when those bearing, everyone say bearing, those bearing the ark, David learned and remembered how the Lord instructed him to handle the presence. He didn't mess around this time. He didn't put it on a cart. He didn't do anything like that. He said, pick up the ark the way the Lord commanded us to pick up the ark. And it says, as they bore the ark of the covenant, the Lord had gone six paces. After six steps, what did David do? He sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. This was not a requirement from the Lord. I scoured the Old Testament. Nowhere did God say you must, after six steps, kill sheep. He doesn't say that. This was a response of David's holy fear to the Lord. This was a response to David seeing Uzziah touch the presence of God irreverently, and he said, I'm not going more than six steps without offering blood. Here's what we have to understand about the number six. It represents carnality. It represents men. So David, what he did is he took six steps. He came to the end of himself and he offered blood. He, he came to his own carnality. He came to his own humanity and he offered a sacrifice. What were sacrifices in that day? They were shadows and types of what Jesus would do on that cross. So every six steps, David paused and he said, God, remember, remember you, you, you sacrificed your son, Jesus. He took six more steps and he said, cover me by the blood of Jesus. And he took six more steps and said, cover me by the blood of Jesus. Because he was terrified of a God that is an all-consuming fire. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Then in verse 21 it says this, So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord after she criticized him. She said, Look at the king dancing around naked. He says this, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me rule over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and we and will be humble in my own sight, because the fear of the Lord casts out all lesser fears. Because the fear of the Lord casts out all lesser fears. And David said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm not mishandling the presence of God again. I've seen a man lose his life because of irreverence, and I'm not messing around with the presence of God anymore. And this is what I believe has happened in, in, in the body of Christ. Now hear me, okay? I, I want you to hear my heart on this. I believe that men and women have put their hands on the presence of God. I believe that men and women have touched worship in an irreverent way. And we have made worship about winning a Grammy and winning a Dove Award and gaining Instagram followers and showcasing our talent and showcasing our ability. And we have irreverenced the place of worship and touched the Ark of the Covenant. And in the same way, David lacked the presence of God in Jerusalem because he irreverenced the Ark of the Covenant. The church has lacked the presence of God because men and women's hands have been on the presence. We have made worship about us. We have designed songs to make us feel 
good and empowered. We have designed cord structures and bridges and, and catered to people in the moment of worship. And I've said this, we've said this here at CNC for a long time. Worship isn't about you. This isn't about how you feel, the songs that you like, how worship makes you feel. This worship is about the presence of God. And I believe the spirit of the Lord is coming to the church so that we would remove our hands from the Ark of the Covenant so that we would reverence the name of the Lord again. With the fear of the Lord returning to the bride, we can come into this room and no longer say, I don't like this song. I'm going to sit down and play, play, play on my phone until they sing the next song. Well, I don't like how, how they're singing, so I'm just going to sit down and mess around and talk to my... No, no, no. Don't irreverence this moment because the presence of God is here. The presence of the Lord is here. And to put your hand, the audacity of us, to put our hands on the presence of God and make this thing about us, it proves to me that the fear of the Lord is absent. The fear of the Lord will return the presence of the Lord to the church. The fear of the Lord will return the fullness of the presence of God into this church. As we realize and understand that the one who we're dealing with is holy. He's not to be played with. I want to show you this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve. That word serve literally means worship. That we may worship God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because just like Uzzah learned that well, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And he should be worshipped in reverence and godly fear. The fear of the Lord will purify your worship until it is all about him. Come on, is anybody, is anybody in here tired of making worship about ourselves? Man, I, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just tired. I'm tired of it because I, I, don't, I don't want worship. Like, I didn't come here to talk about me. I do that from Monday to Saturday. I talk about me. I deal with my own stuff. I've got problems. I got, we got all that stuff. But, man, when I come into this house, I don't want to hear about me. I'm here to glorify the king. I'm here to lift up his name. Like what we did today, we exalted the name of God. I'm here to exalt his name. The Bible says this in, in, in the book of Isaiah. God says, I will not share my glory with another. Like, in the Bible, it tells us that we're, when we get to heaven, we're going to cast our crowns down before the Lord. We're going to lay down our crowns. And this is what I believe the Lord is raising up. He's raising up worshipers in the church who, just like David, every six steps, they will lay down their crown. Every six steps, every time they, they feel like, oh yeah, that was, a, that was a banger chorus. I hit that note. I did pretty good. Hey, I didn't mess up that song. Hey, did you hear me? Lay down your crown. Lay down your crown. Because you and I should be afraid, reverent, have reverent fear of trying to share God's glory. I don't want to try to share the glory of God. That's why as soon as I get off this stage, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God, nope, it's all you, God. It's all you. It's all you. And I, when I come to that sixth step, I'm going to sacrifice. And every single moment, every single time, church, when we approach worship, we have to put down our crown. 
take our hand off the presence and say, God, it is all you. It is all you. I want to end by sharing this, this, uh, this, this last story about the power of God. In Acts chapter 5, there's a story about a man and woman named Ananias and Sapphira. And to give you some context, what happens is the Holy Spirit falls in the upper room. Peter begins to preach the gospel. The Bible tells us that thousands get saved. The apostles set up the church there in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that every single day they begin to live and commune with one another. They're eating, they're breaking bread, they're living life together, and they're honoring and fearing the Lord together. And, and this church just explodes and as people begin to sell their property, sell their land, they begin to sell everything and, and combine all their resources. And Ananias and Sapphira have this really, really terrible idea. They have this really bad idea that they want to share the glory of God. They want a piece of it. They want to impress the men and women around them and say, look how much I have given to the church. And so they devised this plan to sell their property, to keep a portion to themselves, and to lie to the Holy Spirit and say, this is all the money that I received. This is what happens. That as Ananias and Sapphira come to Peter, they say, hey, listen, this is, this is an offering. In verse 5 it says, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last Lying in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Then Peter said to her, his wife, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Verse 11, don't miss this. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Great fear came upon the church of the living God. That's verse 11. Do you want to see what verse 12 says? The very next verse, it says this, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. What if God is waiting to release his power to a church who embraces the fear of the Lord? What if, what if God is protecting us and withholding the fullness of his power because he knows that the spirit of the fear of the Lord is absent? And what if he doesn't want anything like Ananias and Sapphira to happen anymore? Because here's the reality, church. When you ask for the power of God, you get the power of God. And this church experienced the full power of God and Ananias and Sapphira mishandled it and they paid with their life. Now, I don't want us to be afraid of God, but what I want us to understand is that he is the king. He is sovereign. And as we approach him, we should approach in reverence and fear and awe and every aspect of our life, not just on Sunday, we should conduct ourselves as if we're in the presence of the living God 24-7. 
and realize this, God, if I want to experience the power of God, I must first come under the spirit of the fear of the Lord to reverence you. And I believe this church, that as the fear of the Lord comes into the church, the Lord will release the power of God back into the church. As we embrace the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the power of God will move in ways we've never seen before. I believe that the fear of the Lord is the key to so many different areas of our life. Solomon says it's the beginning of wisdom. I believe it's the beginning of life. And I believe that the fear of the Lord has been under attack in the church over the last 50 years. That the enemy has removed the awe of God. And we have preached watered-down messages. We've preached a God that is docile and weak. We've preached a God that, that just overlooks and, and just is absent. And, and you just you come in here, you lovey-dovey, and then you leave, and it's just this docile friend that you have. I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said this. God is not, what did he say? He says, God is dangerous, but he's good. Don't, like, just because he's good doesn't mean he's not dangerous. And, and to really experience the fullness of God, what we have to understand is how undeserving we are to experience the fullness of God. When we cheapen the power and the awe and the majesty and the, and, and the fury and wrath of God, when we cheapen that side of God, we cheapen the redemptive nature of what Jesus did. When we try to take away this reality that he is an all-consuming fire, that he is going to pour out his wrath on his enemies, it lessens our appreciation for not being an enemy. <laughs> we think, oh man, everybody's going, going to heaven. Jesus isn't that important. No, no, no. When you understand the wrath of God that will be poured out on this earth at the end of all things, you and I will be, will be very thankful that we are found in Christ. And just as that death angel passed over the children of Israel, we can glory in the fact that we are undeserving now because of the blood of Jesus, of the wrath of God, that he took our sin, he took our shame, he took everything that we earned and deserved in our life, he took it on that cross. And now the wrath of God is not your inheritance, but the kingdom of God is your inheritance. But that realization only comes with the fear of the Lord. When we say, God, I deserve every ounce of your judgment. I deserve your wrath, God. I was an enemy. The Bible says I was an enemy with him. But Jesus came in and he covered us with his blood. And, and church, hear me when I say this. The fear of the Lord is not designed to intimidate you into obeying, intimidate you into worshiping, intimidate you into the, into the experience of his presence. The fear of the Lord is our greatest gift. It's this constant reminder of the goodness of Jesus. It's this constant reminder of what he has done for us. And here's what Isaiah chapter 11 says, that the spirit of the Lord, a fear of the Lord should be our delight. Says the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. 
Satan's delight. This is, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus delighted in this gift that he had from the Father. He said, he said, God, thank you. Even though I'm God, even though I'm equal, thank you that you've given me the spirit of fear. Thank you that you've given me the spirit of fear. And what did Jesus do with that spirit of the fear of the Lord? He didn't do anything that he didn't see his father do. He didn't speak any word that he didn't hear his father speak. He lived his life in complete obedience and surrender and laid down his godhood so that he can be a human like us, live our life perfect and die on the cross. And his joy and delight was in the fear of the Lord. This is what I believe is for us, church, that our delight should be in the fear of the Lord. Do you want to live your life in obedience, in the conviction of the Holy Spirit? The fear of the Lord will cast out religion. Because so many people in this room, I know it, I, was, I, I get like that from time to time. I follow the rules just because I think the rules are there. But when you embrace the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you don't follow rules because, you know, Pastor Troy is going to be upset if you break them. You follow, you follow the commandments of God because you have a holy reverence of the King of Kings. Man, when I, when I come into this place and worship, I don't wanna just worship out of, out of who I think God is or what the song is talking about. Man, I wanna worship out of this holy reverence and fear that our God is an all-consuming fire, that his glory will not be shared, that he is like none other, and I wanna worship him just like that. And church, I wanna experience the power of God. Come on, does anybody else in here wanna experience the power of God? I, I'm tired of just praying for it. I'm tired of just waiting for it. Man, I want God in his fullness to come. And I believe that when the fear of the Lord enters this place, that the power of God is going to be released among us. The fear of the Lord is returning to the bride of Christ. Do me a favor and stand to your feet if you wouldn't mind. I was preparing this this week and last few weeks <clears throat> I heard I heard the Holy Spirit say something that he wants to today right now that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out the spirit of the fear of the Lord on those in this room who want it to be honest with you I didn't even want to get up here and preach because the, the power of the Holy Spirit is already in this room but I felt like I felt like this was the beginning. This is the beginning for us of revival. I feel like the Holy Spirit, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this, this revival that's sweeping the nation. Even as you look at it in Asbury, what, you don't see, you don't see any, any, any famous people there. There's no face to this revival. There's no name to this revival. There's no, hey, come to our conference or come to this. No, no, no. It is, it is a holy reverence of the Lord, independent of you and me, independent of human hands, independent of our efforts and our striving. When the spirit of the fear of the Lord is in the room, he just descends and he falls. And so this is the altar call, if you will, that I want to give to you today. I don't want any altar ministers, no one. I, this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say. Don't irreverence this moment by putting your hand on it. Don't irreverence this moment by putting your hand on it. What I'm gonna ask is if you're here in this room and you say, you know what, 
I don't want to live my life without the spirit of the fear of the Lord. All I want you to do is come to the front. Dion's gonna lead us in a, in a time of worship. And as we, as he worships, as we worship together, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to release the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I'm not gonna pray for you. No one's gonna pray for you. It's going to be an independent move of the Father in this moment. So don't wait, come now. Don't wait, come now. Don't wait, come now. And this is what I'm gonna say because I understand that, you know, there's kids, there's different things. If you have to go, live right, love everyone, pray hard. We love you all very much. But this moment, this time, I believe is a reverent moment. Come front, make, make room, kind of scoot up, yeah, make room for people to come. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you bring the spirit of the fear of the Lord into this place? Holy Spirit, would you pour out your spirit just as you poured it out on Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, that we would possess the spirit of the fear of the Lord.